What is poppin'? I'm boppin'. Now that this episode is dropping, come and hoppin'. Stay till the end, because this content is fire. Yo, what's up, Draft Fam? I'm back. And man alive, am I getting excited for this draft. My favorite, probably one of my favorite draft classes. My favorite draft class that I've ever been a part of since I really started following the draft. All the way back in 2018, I think, I remember Aiton and Luca getting drafted into the NBA, and those those are the main guys I remember from that draft. I remember that in 2019, I just wanted the Spurs, my Spurs, got the number one pick this year, of course, it's Wemby time. In 2019, I just i I wasn't scouting or anything, and I just wanted the, the Spurs to draft a bull bull so bad. He fell to them at like 17 or 19 or something there, and I'm like, dude, he's like, a, he should be like a top 10 pick. Why aren't they taking him? I was so frustrated, and then he fell all the way into the mid second round, and I was just shocked, like. I mean, I wasn't following the draft very closely, and I'm like, this is a seven-foot, five-star guy who can shoot threes and block shots, and I'm like, why aren't we taking him? Like, this is ridiculous. Ended up in a pretty good spot now, but that was one of my first real memories of the NBA draft. I haven't been doing this for too long. And I'm just... I'm just trying to get pumped up for next Thursday. I'm already envisioning how it's going to go. The music, the sound effects, when the pick is in, it's got that little almost eerie tune to it. And then Adam Silver walks up on stage and announces the pick, the Spurs, with the first overall pick. In the 2023 NBA Draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Victor, Victor Wembanyama. You know, uh, I I just can't imagine it's going to be incredible. That that music or that sound effect that they play when the pick is in and Adam Silver is walking up on the stage. That is a sound that should send chills down the spine of any sensible man's neck. Wait, what? That that's not what I meant to say, but it should it should send chills down your spine. It's just it does for me anyway. It's so incredibly hyped the NBA draft is. And that is why I am so incredibly hyped to share with you guys my final big board update, at least on the podcast, I think this will be my final one. Uh, chances are I'm going to mix things up a tiny bit before the draft, but this will probably be the last big board that I share on the podcast before the draft. So this is the one you're really going to want to listen all the way to the end to because this is, this is good stuff coming your way as always. And I legitimately think 
There's, I mean, there's so many mock drafts and big boards and scouting reports out there. It can, it can just get boring after a while. Like so many different people with different opinions, but I really feel like I have something new and different that I can offer to the conversation. So this is a good podcast to listen to at work or at home or wherever. Uh, you're you're gonna get some some content that I guarantee you you wouldn't find anywhere else. And I have very different, but I believe not different just for the sake of being different. But I believe that I have very different opinions than some people that will hopefully end up being correct when this all shakes out, but I'm going to be sharing with you my big board. I've got 35 picks, or 35 players on it. I'm going to share with you all of them, maybe talk about a few other second-round undrafted guys, depending on how long this goes. Let's get into it. Number one, of course, I've got Victor Wimbanyama. I've had him for a while, and of course, he is going to my Spurs, so go Spurs go. That is absolutely awesome. He's a transcendent, once-in-a-forever prospect. I believe he might be 7'5". He's at least 7'3". He can block shots. He can shoot a little bit. He's got crazy handles, crazy counter moves. Doesn't have the post-game. But he can spin. He's got that little half-spin fade. He's going to be good, ladies and gentlemen, if he stays healthy. He's absolutely incredible. But I will say another player that's absolutely incredible is Scoot Henderson. He's kind of, with with all the smoke, I believe it's smoke, saying indicating that Brandon Miller is the likely pick at number two to the Hornets. Scoot Henderson has kind of fallen in some regards. I think I even saw people having him fall to like four or five. And ladies and gentlemen, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Scoot Henderson is still an incredible generational type of prospect. As much as I hate to use that word, is is the only word to describe a player of Scoot Henderson's capabilities and capacity. His athleticism, his functional strength, his off-the-dribble burst that he comes in with, attacks the basket, his work ethic, his mentality. He's always getting better. Seems like a guy who's really going to benefit his team and his city. And... He's got serious in the middle game at the rim. He's been working on his shot. He's someone that can be really quite incredible, in fact. I think I wouldn't count him out as an all-NBA first type guy someday, if not an MVP. I mean, he's just... I love Scoot Henderson. He's just absolutely ridiculous. He's going to be incredible. Hornets should take him at two, no question. Trade Lomelo if necessary. Play him together. Don't care. Just take him and see what happens from there. 
At number three, I've got Brandon Miller. Uh, Miller's someone who I've been high on for a very long time. Uh, I mean, I think six months ago, I had him. I was like, I was one of the first people to start really noticing this guy and putting him high. I think six months ago, I had him top five. Um, very, very impressive player. I'm not gonna get into the off the court stuff. Just as far as on the court stuff goes, absolutely fantastic shooter um he's pretty athletic his defense looks pretty good i think that'll be solid he's getting better at finishing at the rim and he has some really impressive handles he can mix a guy up no question so he's definitely very worthy at number three very talented player he's he's gonna be a good guy to get to but not at two. Uh, and then at four. This this is where things really get interesting on my board compared to maybe your opinions or, or others. I do not have a Thompson twin at number four. And spoiler alert, I do not have a Thompson twin at number five either. At number four, I've got ladies and gentlemen. At number four, I've got Jairus Walker. Jairus Walker, this kid is an absolute beast. He's young. He's absolutely massive for his age. Ridiculous physically. Uh, his defense is really, really good. Um, it's he's 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 really good. Um, yeah. Uh, next pick, next uh, slot. Uh, no, but actually, Jairus, offensively, uh, he's got good touch on his floaters, I feel like. His shot mechanics are pretty good. I don't I don't expect him to become a high-volume three-point shooter at all, but I do expect him to be able to knock down open catch-and-shoot threes. His shot creation skills have are steadily increasing. I think if if he can add moves that get him to the rim more often on his own, that's going to be where it really comes to play, where if he can drive to the rim and dunk on someone, that's going to be when things really get interesting with him. And I think, I think he can get to that point uh, where he can create really good advantages over uh, other players, particularly smaller players. At five... Uh, Cam Whitmore, uh, he's my guy here. He is really, really good too. Super powerful, explosive athlete, best in the class. Jumps really well off of two feet and off one foot, especially his two feet leaping is is really, really quite impressive. I buy his shot. I think he's going to become... Uh, a pretty good shooter, if not a very good shooter. I think he can become a high-volume shooter. I really like his shooting potential there off the dribble, off the catch. Uh, the biggest thing for him is going to be if he can tighten that handle up, become a better playmaker. Not that not that his playmaking isn't necessarily bad for, for a three, 
but he's someone that you're not going to have a chance to draft a guy like him next year, so I think he should go quite high. Number six, I didn't tell you guys this, but I also don't have a Thompson twin at number six. In fact, I have a Case and Wallace at number six. It's the highest, one of the highest I've I've seen. I there again though. I I don't just make my board for the sake of hot takes or anything. Uh, Case and Wallace came into the season as a guy who was a really good defender. I and I felt like his offense was actually going to be really good too and it ended up being solid. Uh I like his pick and roll playmaking. I think that's really going to translate to the NBA as the most translatable skill a point guard can have. I buy his shot very much. He's got a really clean stroke. He can knock it down from the mid-range very reliable in that way. He's I feel like he's the kind of guy who can go get you a bucket, even though he's not creating a ton of rim pressure. He's not blowing by his guy, but he's just very steady, very solid, and I think has a little bit of creation in his bag. And I mean, of course, Kentucky guards, they're always going to be good. Can't count them out. I really like Kaysen. At number seven, Grady Dick. Uh, One of the best shooters in the class. If not the best shooter, uh, Jordan Hawkins is quite good as well. I'll get to him later. Uh, but Gr- Gritty Dick, seven, very good shooter. I think his shot creation is a little bit underrated as well as his athleticism, though his athleticism has gotten so, in a way, like it's gotten so underrated that people started realizing it and pointing that out, and now maybe it's overrated in some ways. But I do think he's a very good athlete. He's pretty quick. He wants to win. I think he's someone that teams are really going to like having. Coaches are going to like him as someone who can just go out there and hit hit shots off of movement. His on-ball defense definitely needs some work, but... He translates pretty well as an off-ball defender. I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, My comparison for him is Kevin Herter. I definitely think he can fill that role, uh, the same starting role that I think he can. Here's my take on him. I think Grady Dick can come in and play the same starting role in the playoffs that Kevin Herter played this past year in his rookie season. Like, I think Grady Dick is as good as Kevin Herter right now. Uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't say that, but but I, th- I think it very well uh, could be the case. Um, potential, I don't see him as like an all-star potential guy, Grady Dick, but I see him as being very good. Very, very good. Someone who can contribute in the playoffs. At number eight on my board, I have the one and only Taylor Hendricks. He's a very confident young player. He's, he, I think, actually one of the most impressive parts 
of what he did this last year is he was the best player on his team easily as a freshman. And that doesn't actually happen as much as you might think. Like even guys who go top five a lot of times are not the best player on their team, but they're young and they show potential. So in in that way, Taylor Hendricks is kind of in that same camp as like Apollo or Jabari. However, he played on a much worse team. Those guys were guys that were really on good good tournament teams, and UCF this season just is nowhere near that. A very bad team, actually. But Hendricks, I really feel like his defense is very, very good. I, I think his shooting off the catch uh, is he's gonna it's gonna work out. I think he can do that. I don't think he has as much shot creation or offensive juice as maybe like uh, a Bam out of bio, for example. Not comparing him to Bam, but I feel like even though Taylor Hendricks has more range, which makes him very valuable, I think he's. I think he's gonna he's gonna take a little bit of time, uh, probably more time than some people think. Still very young, and then at number nine, we do have our first Thompson twin. Also, our last. No, just kidding. Uh, at number nine, I've got Asar Thompson, head of his brother Amen. Uh, I have talked about this before, so I mean, I don't want to get, I don't want to disrespect them too much. Like, but I kind of hate OTE. Um, just feels like it's all just for the highlight reel whatever nonsense they're just doing it all to look cool and uh, I don't really feel like it's not a good developmental place and it's certainly not a good place to scout prospects and I feel like now since Asar and Amen were on the same team this last year it makes it a little bit tougher but I feel like they really should have dominated a lot more playing against high school competition. Now, they do have crazy athleticism, good handles. I, As much as I hate grouping them together, I do actually feel like they're probably more similar than some people let on. I think they're actually quite similar. Um, but Asar is someone who's a, a little bit better basketball player. I'm in someone who's a little bit better athlete. Um, but I have a Sara head just because I think he's still got that high-end potential, but I think he can fit into an offense much sooner, uh, playing off the ball and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, so I've got a Sar at 9, and then a men at 10. Don't have a lot more to say on a men. Athleticism's crazy, but he seriously needs to add a jump shot. His shot mechanics look really bad. I don't buy him as a shooter hardly at all. Never know, but just as a prospect, you can't really bet on that shooting getting better. 
And we're 20 minutes into the pod, and I've only gotten to number 10, only a third of the way through, and this is quick draft insight, so quick draft insight, so I'm going to speed things up a little bit here, but I also want to, I also want to be talking about everything that I need to mention, but well, moving on here at number 11 is I've got Anthony Black. I think Anthony Black is someone who's really good, probably a bit overrated. Like I know some people have him mocked as high as four to Houston. That's absolutely insanity. Uh, he just does not have the shot creation or off the dribble burst or first step uh, required to be that kind of pick like the potential for him to become like a a go-to bucket getter like star player at the next level it's, it's just not there i i don't really see a feasible path to that and his jump shot is eh, not good uh he can get better he can get better for sure but right now i'm really just he's still at number 11 guy just because he takes care of the ball uh he plays good defense and his playmaking passing it's really good and he's gonna be able to man a young team pretty early on so i still like i like anthony black but definitely does has a tendency to get overrated and then at 12 uh my guy here is jet howard now, I have a very interesting take here that I don't know if I should share with you guys. Uh, let's keep keep this a little secret until he becomes an NBA superstar, and then, and then he can take what I say out of context and make me look like a scouting legend. Here's my take. I think that peak Jet Howard... Is better than peak Brandon Miller. Got that? Now, this is nothing against Brandon Miller's game. I think he is actually peak Brandon Miller is is quite incredible. However, peak Jet Howard brings some crazy stuff. Lights out, knockdown shooting, and gets hot. He's got some really underrated handles and spin moves that get him to the rim. Uh, with his ankle injuries, we didn't get to see that as much as we should have. However, still very, very talented guy there. And cut off the ball, finish at the rim. Now, Jet Howard... I have him at 12 because I think his defense is quite a lot worse than a guy like Brandon's. Um, I, he doesn't bring that that same defensive intensity or uh, IQ. I don't think he's going to be a, a really terrible defender at the next level. However, I think for a, a wing player... Playing in the finals, 
it's really quite important throughout the playoffs finals to have that lockdown defense. So that's why I have them at 12, but I do really, really actually do like them quite, quite a lot. And then number 13, I've got this guy, this random guy named Leonard Miller. Uh, you may have heard of him. He's a, he's a solid prospect. Uh, my shades of comparison for him is an MPJ without the shooting. Of course, if, if you go, if you use his playoff shooting, then you can probably just straight up compare him to MPJ. Um, but I think he fills that. Now, here's the deal with Leonard Miller. The The thing is that I think he can fill, I think he can play two very different roles, and it's going to make it weird for whichever team drafts him to figure out what to do with him. You can play him in like this MPJ role as like a shooting, slashing forward that can create his own shot a tiny bit, uh, but then mostly scores off of cuts and uh, just open three-pointers and plays good defense. Or one potential role that I've I've heard floated around is, so this, this is not, I did not come up with this, just so you know, um, is like a Kevon Looney role, which... I, I quite like the idea of that as well. Obviously, he's not the same. Uh, he doesn't have the same strength as a guy like Looney, but I think he can absolutely do something like that. Uh, and you know what? I'm I'm just gonna decide. Um, I just decided I'm just gonna do the lottery for now. Uh, this will be part one of my before the draft week before the draft big board. Um, you'll have to come back for part two. I'll keep you interested. But before you leave, there's one more player on my board. At number 14, Keontae George. Now, Keontae's another guy that's really interesting to me. He's got this kind of like shooting contested shots, like has a little bit of ball handling, can shoot really good shooter with range uh, that kind of reminds of like a Jordan Poole. But then at the same time, I don't think he has the same kind of playmaking, passing presence or or defensive presence for that matter. And I think the biggest thing that I would tell a guy like him to work on is like just work on fitting into the offense and letting the game come to you instead of trying to make instead of trying to be the game, become a part of the game, you know? He needs he needs to learn to fit into more than one offense, 
Otherwise, if he's just this guy who shoots deep contested threes and maybe he can be pretty good at that, but there's a lot of teams that aren't going to like that, and he's not going to stick in the league for as long. So he needs to work on that and then work on his defense. But on the positive side, I think he is a really fantastic shooter, and he can fill a catch-and-shoot role in the NBA if if he can learn to do that. Right now, a lot of his stuff comes off the dribble, and I just don't think it's also sustainable in the NBA. But there again, I've got him at 14. I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, he's probably uh, gotten got a little more athleticism and vertical pop in his game than is let on. And the other thing, the other thing is that it looks like he's probably gotten in really good shape after I I never know how much to buy into like pre-draft videos and workouts and stuff. But one thing that I think you can buy into a little bit, is just how a player looks physically. And I think Keontae has looked very good. And I think he has potential to be a very solid NBA player. That's all I've got for this episode, folks. Uh, Draft fam, thank you for tuning in. Come back for part two. It's coming. I'm going to do the next one. I'm going to do picks. Or, ah, sorry, I keep calling them picks. I'm going to do players 15 through 35. It's going to be fantastic. See you then.